0: sometimes this season is just full of, of just activity, and we try to calm down or, or settle down or slow down, and we just find ourselves just going even faster. So Lord, we pray that uh, during this time that you just allow us just to, to pause, to breathe, and to hear your voice. So God, we ask you to let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So we're continuing our series just looking at the roots of Jesus and and where he came from and, and what he has done. And today we're talking about how Jesus came from a place. And we know that the place that Jesus came from was a town called Bethlehem. And we, we, we sing songs about that as a part of the, the the story and and we we really have a tendency to romanticize what Bethlehem is and and, and what Bethlehem was and where Jesus came from. When I was starting to think about that, I, I started to think about where I came from. You know, I grew up in Hutchinson, Kansas, so I'm I'm a Kansas boy and I think most of you you know that, but the one of the things that I've always thought of about my hometown was that it was, a, it was a small town, or at least I thought it was a small town. You know, the population of Hutchinson about the time that I was growing up, it was about 40,000, and I think it's kinda of held steady all the way through, even up until, until now. And, and we knew that we were in a small town just because we were about 45 minutes southeast or northeast from Wichita, Kansas. And Wichita, Kansas, at that time, the population was about 270,000. And I think now it's even over 300, maybe even close to 400. And that, that whole area has really started to grow and explode over the past several, several years. But so going to Wichita was, was quite an adventure for us. Number one, our, my mom's mom and dad, my grandma and Grandpa Bell, they lived in Wichita. So we would take trips to the big city and go visit them and do all those type of things you do in the big city. You know, we, we didn't have a mall in Hutchinson. Well, Wichita had two malls. So we would go to town east and we would go to town west and, and explore those things with our, with our grandparents. And we, we would be able to go to a little amusement park called Joyland which had a really fun roller coaster and and a nice inside dark ride that we would like to ride. All of those type of things you were able to do in Wichita because you didn't have that type of stuff in Hutchinson. But then the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, I I got really close with a group of friends from church uh, from a little town called Norton, Kansas. Now, Norton, Kansas was located up in northwest Kansas, and it was close to Russell, Kansas, if you're familiar with anything up there, but Russell's not really that huge of a town, but Norton was settled up there, and I remember the excitement that I had when my mom and dad allowed me the opportunity to hop in my uh, my Dodge Aspen and drive from Hutchinson, Kansas, all the way to, to Norton, Kansas, which was about a four to five hour trip. And I knew that Norton was a smaller city than Hutchinson, but I didn't realize how small it was. Looking at the population, the population of Norton was about 3,000. So so very, very small city. And, and uh, going up to Norton, it, it, was, it was a total life change for me, you know, just to see how people in a small town lived. And one of the stories that I really remember from this time was that uh, one of my friends, her name was Carrie, she was a uh, lifeguard at the city pool. And me and, and, and Chris and Matt, we went over to the city pool to hang out until Carrie got done and then we were able to go out and do some, do some stuff around the town and we parked next to Carrie's car. And I looked over at Carrie's car and I realized that, that she did something. She, first of all, left the uh, car door unlocked. And I knew that's something that you never did. Even in Hutchinson, Kansas, with a population of 40,000 people, you never, ever left your car door unlocked because you had no idea who would would get into the car. But she did something else. She left something else in her car. Her car keys. And that was just something that they did in small towns. So Mr. Big Time City Boy thought, I'm going to have some fun with Karen. I'm going to go ahead and just just take her car. So I got in while she was up on the... Little lifeguard platform and she couldn't leave and I just took off and started to drive her car all throughout town and finally came back and parked it and she had just no look of surprise or concern at all on her face and I walked up to her and said weren't you scared that I took your car and she said no because the only people that steals your car in Norton Kansas is your friends You know that you're gonna get it back, so it's, it's no big deal that you took my car. You know, it, it, it was a, such a different world. I remember they even had a movie theater there, but the movie theater had a movie that was, that was popular and was showing in Hutchinson, Kansas, that was at least three months old by now, so I've already had a chance to see it, so that's something we didn't do. But, but, but so it was just a reminder that this, this small town This little place where where I was able to live in and and, and just to enjoy was so different than where I came from. Now, if we go to Bethlehem, we see a different story. It said that Bethlehem at that time was about the population of a 1,000. So it was nestled about five miles away from Jerusalem, but it was kind of a forgotten city. It was a forgotten town, until a specific event happened, and that was the birth of Jesus Christ. And once that event happened, people really started to look because they were worried, and they became afraid. So our scripture takes place, or takes part, around the time after Jesus was born, and King Herod was worried about this, so he calls some people together, and we pick up the story at Matthew chapter two, verses four through six. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles or you can follow along with the words on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. When he, who was King Harold, called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, just thinking about the town of Bethlehem and relationships to where King Herod was ruling over Israel, he was not that far away, like I said, about a five-mile distance, but I'm sure that five miles seemed to be a, a, a lifetime apart. That that five miles seemed to be so distant and so far off because, again, nothing ever happens in Bethlehem. Well, that's not necessarily true because when we take a look at the Old Testament Scripture, we see that there is a lot that has happened in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was first mentioned way back in the book of Genesis. Where we talked about Rachel. When Rachel passed away, we hear in Genesis 35, verse 19, is that that is where she was laid to rest. And as you go to Bethlehem, you can see places that marks where the tomb of Rachel is. We continue looking at the books of the Old Testament. We see that it is the setting for most of the story between Ruth and Boaz. That Boaz was a, a farmer there and he had land there and, and Ruth, if you're familiar with the story, was allowed to to glean some of the, the wheat that was there to sustain her and Naomi. And then later Boaz ends up marrying Ruth and Becomes a part of the line of the genealogy of Jesus. And of course, I think probably the most most famous person who we know who is from the town of Bethlehem would be David. And this is the place where where Samuel went to anoint him as the king, the future king of Israel to overtake. Saul after Saul passes away. So we see a lot of these activities happening and, and leading us forward to, to seeing the importance of Bethlehem, but yet seeing how it's still separate and, 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 and taken apart from what was really happening in the, in the big thriving metropolis of, of Jerusalem. Bethlehem was just looked down upon because not only was it a place where the shepherds lived, it, it was where the the temple received most of their sacrifices. the The shepherds would would provide for the upcoming sacrifices and provide for the the sheep and provide for the for the cattle and also provide stuff for the grain offerings because the Hebrew name for Bethlehem is House of Bread. And that that brings another significance to. What Bethlehem is all about and how Jesus comes from Bethlehem being the house of bread when he is teaching his disciples and teaching us in John chapter 6, reminding us that he is the bread of life. That, that, that you come to him who you are hungry and, and he will, will fill us and that he will give us more than what we need or could ever want. It is a picture and reminder that we have when we gather together to celebrate the, the sacrament of Holy Communion. And last week, we remembered the words as Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This bread is my body which is given for you. Every time you eat of this bread, remember me. It's a reminder that we are connected by the body of Christ. And, and Christ's body lives inside of us and we are then strengthened by that holy meal and strengthened by the bread that Jesus gives each and every one of us. So so with that background behind us, how does the town of Bethlehem help inform our journey to the manger? As I said, remember, Bethlehem was, was a small town. It was about a 1,000. I think one of my favorite stories, hearing from Janet Nickel, who at one time was the mayor of our city whenever we talked about the growth of the uh, ISD, she would laugh and say that the number of students that are at Royce City High School are a whole lot more than that was in the population of Royce City whenever she was in high school way back in the 70s. And, and we laugh about that, but we, we see the... The, the insignificance of that, but yet the significance that that played in our lives. And I think that significance shows us the importance of what Bethlehem is. Bethlehem was a small town, so why shouldn't a, a small town have the significance to being the birthplace of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Jesus helps us to see the importance of those things that are small as he shares the parable of the mustard seed. And the mustard seed, he, he points out that it's just this itty-bitty small seed. It, it's something that, that you have a hard time seeing with the naked eye, but, but that one little mustard seed can grow up to be a big, giant tree that can feed the birds of the air. We also see the importance of how something so little can be so significant and the parable that Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 16 as he talks about these servants who have been given small amounts to take care of and at the end of that story he says that one who is faithful in very little is also faithful with much and whoever is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. See, See, Jesus knows that when we are faithful with those, those small things that we have in our lives, then, then our, our influence or our, our ability to share what God has given us will continue to grow so that more and more people can hold on to or, or learn and to know about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. It all revolves around who we as followers of Jesus share the gospel with. Because the one thing about Bethlehem and the one thing about where the gospel continues to reach us is that the gospel is called to reach out to those who are powerless. Bethlehem was considered one of those far off places that nobody really thought much until they wanted something from it, but other than that, it was left alone. But sometimes that happens in our lives too. There are people in our lives that when, when we want something from them, it, it's important. But if we don't really want need anything from somebody, we just kind of pushes them to the side. But, but because of our relationship with Jesus Christ and what, what God calls us to do, we are to help those who are powerless no matter what their situation is. We hear over and over again in scriptures the reminder that we are to help the widows, the orphans, and the strangers or, or the immigrants. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, we are reminded to not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing some, a people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. It is so important that we, we don't push other people aside, but, but we, we, we wrap them in love and we share with them what God has so graciously given to each and every one of us. So, so that life that, that we've received through the body of Christ, we then share that life with others. I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but since we're getting closer to Christmas Eve, one of the things that we do as a church is that we give away our entire Christmas Eve offering to Royce City ISD to help pay for student lunch debt. Here past couple of weeks ago, we, when I mentioned this, so I, there was an actual student at uh, Bailey Middle School who was uh, over that line where they could no longer receive a, a warm meal for lunch and somebody reached out to me and and handed me money to take to the ISD to take care of that. And when I did, I ran into the superintendent, Mr. Worthy, and I told him what I was there to do. And and he just smiled. He said, I'm just so thankful that your church thinks about our kids and thinks about how important it is for them to have a meal during the day, a, a nice warm meal to help them learn, to help them To be productive, because we know that sometimes that may be the only hot meal they get during the week. That 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 lunch is so important, and it's important for them to learn. I see. That's what it means to take care of the widows and the orphans and the strangers. We we may not know who they are. They may not be orphans, or they may not. uh, They're definitely not widows because they're kids, but when we take the opportunity to to give to them, we are letting them know that they are important to us, that we care for them, that we want them to experience God's love while they are at school. There are so many different ways that we can take care of those who are strangers around us. We just have to use the God-given gift that we have to see how our ministries and our life can be a blessing for those around us. And I know. And I know sometimes our life gets so frazzled and it gets so hurried and so, so worrisome. But see, that's why we're able to go to Jesus. That's why we're able to come to, to listen and to hear, especially the words that Jesus gives, you, gives us in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my my burden is light. See, even sometimes in our own lives, we feel powerless. In our own lives, we, we feel like we just need just a little bit more extra strength to move on. And, and when we try to rely on our own power and our own strength, we, we feel let down. We feel like we, we can't do enough. And the fact of the matter is, we can't. But that is why when we have less power in our lives, we rely on Christ to strengthen us, to, to build us up. To hold us so that we may be filled with his love and grace. The last part that I think that we learned from Bethlehem is that God works through the hidden. I think if you were to ask people of Jerusalem at the time about Bethlehem, they wouldn't have much to say about it. But but an interesting fact about Bethlehem is that if you are standing on top of the Mount of Olives where, where Jesus was of the trade, and where he went down to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, if you can look off into the distance, and you can actually see the hills of Bethlehem. So, so they're there for people to to see and and, and to experience, but you have to look for it. When when I think about Roy City, when I think about small towns around, or even if I think about the towns that are closer to Dallas. There are a lot of hidden cities around us. When I, when I travel places, I normally, and, and when I'm asked where I'm from, I, I don't say that I'm from Royce City or, or from Garland where Tracy and I's house are. I usually say, well, we're from Dallas. And one of the reasons why we do that is because we don't want to have to try to explain, well, you know, Garland is just, you know, a suburb just a little bit far. Or Roy City, if you get on I-30 and you drive across the bridge and you go past, uh, go past uh, Rockwall and all that type of stuff, we don't go through all of that. We just say, well, we're just from Dallas because it's just easier to say. I think that may be how people talked about Bethlehem, too. Because it was so close to Jerusalem, it was just hidden because, well, we're just from Jerusalem, and we're, we're just from that area because we don't want to have to tell you about which dusty road to go down in order to get to, 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 uh, to Bethlehem. But it reminds me that even though something is hidden, it doesn't mean that there's not something valuable there. Just, just because you can't see something or, or you don't know where something is, it doesn't mean that there is something worth finding. Jesus shared about this in a parable that he told about a field and about a fine pearl. In Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. The kingdom of heaven is like a a treasure in a field. When somebody is looking for something, they find it, they they want to do anything and everything they can, they possess it, so so they bury it and then they go and able to to secure that land so it's theirs. My friends, we have a treasure. And that treasure is Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes during the busyness and the hustle and, and all of the things that are wrapped up around this time, Jesus becomes even more hidden because we're so busy making sure that we have the right presence for our family. We are pro- providing for the, the, the perfect meal or we may be too busy planning the family trip to go and visit other family at a different place. And, and as we do that, we, we, we tend to ignore the actual prize that we have that's wrapped up within this season. And then Christmas Eve comes around and then we're, we're surprised that it's actually here and we, we quickly celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and then we, we, we put the baby back in the manger and we may tuck it back in the box and push it back to the back of the closet until the next season comes around and we, we pull the baby out again and we revolve that cycle over and over again. My hope and prayer is that for us, during this third Sunday of Advent, as we move even closer to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, that we take the opportunity to take the path of the humble. Realizing that it's not about us. The the, the, the season isn't about what I can get or even what I can give to other people. That we humble ourselves to realize that this, this season is about Jesus. We, we take the path of the hidden and, and we look to see what it is that we are currently covering up the incarnation with and, and how can we unbury that so that can be our focus and be what we live for and that we take the opportunity to follow Jesus into the kind of influence that doesn't need bells or, or whistles to accompany it, but, but rather it carries the authority of the ruler of the cosmos. And then we take the opportunity to share that gift with others. Our prayer is that we, we take this time to fully listen to how our hearts are in tune with God so that the birth of a Christ child can be proclaimed even louder even bolder, and even with more authority than we could ever proclaim on our own. Let us pray. Oh God, you know it's kind of a shame that this is really the only time we talk about Bethlehem because I think each and every one of us have Bethlehem in our hearts. We may not fully come to see that or realize that, but Lord, sometimes we feel like our lives are small. Sometimes we feel like our lives can be insignificant. Or sometimes we feel like our lives are so hidden away that that no one cares. But thanks be to God, we know that you care and that you call us out to be an example of your love and your grace so that more people can come to express and to know who you are during the celebration of Advent and of Christmas. So God, guide us and lead us to be your faithful disciples, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.